Hello and welcome to another episode of Hacker Public Radio. Today I'll be your host. My handle on IRC is Sutex. And today we're going to be talking about the RoboMofo. The RoboMofo is the thing that reminds you of RoboCop. Its purpose is for mobile computing. And it's fortissimo. It's loud. It's awesome. It's great. Uh, this is a project that I worked on at the beginning of the year, maybe around January or so. And I haven't had a lot of time to work with it, but I did get it together and completely working, and, and I built it. And I haven't had a lot of time to use it as much as I'd like, but it is fully functional and working. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about it. It was building a certain type of mobile computer. So this was back in January when people were all, all the Mac heads were getting excited and very excited about this idea of Apple bringing out some kind of touchpad device, right, at the time. And it was going to be the greatest thing since the invention of the, of the wheel. But a lot of people thought, and, and I thought too, that that really wasn't a good idea. You know, touchpads in general, they're not, from an engineering point of view, a very, very good design. They're not very good design for two reasons. One, right, the first reason is the display is big. It needs to be big if you can see it without holding it really close to your face. You know, that's the problem with cell phones is they have these beautiful displays, but they're so small and uh, they take up enough of your field of view that you got to squint to to see anything. You have this problem of getting a big display, in which you have to, if you're going to do that, you have all the engineering disadvantages that come with it, which are how do you power it, right? You have to have uh, huge batteries, expensive batteries, that aren't going to last very long. It's just kind of the reality of the thing. And I guess when Apple made their product, they spent a lot of time engineering on the battery. And then you also have weight, too, you know. This is something you ought to be mobile, and the bigger it gets, the more batteries, the bigger the LCD. It's going to get heavier, and it's not convenient to carry around. And if this is something you're going to be viewing, you have to hold it in your hands, and it's get heavy and uh, inconvenient. I you wouldn't want to be reading from it. So that's w that's one engineering problem. The other big problem with a touchpad device is the user in interface. And how does the user give their input into the device? And uh, touchscreens, you know, they're this really kind of je ne sais quoi, this aura that goes with a, a touchscreen, it's very futuristic and, and neat how it can respond to your touches, but it's a very poor human interface system. You know, it's good for cell phones where you have very small real estate and the user interface can change, and so you can maximize the real estate you have by letting it change and morph into what it, it needs to be at the given time. But there are problems in that 
compared to other types of interface means you don't have haptic feedback and it takes a lot of neural energy to take your finger, watch your finger, direct your finger to where it needs to be on the screen, press it, make sure it, it pressed correctly, and it's just a really inefficient way of doing things. And it turns out that people can't use these tablets effectively for much more than just maybe pressing play to watch a movie or something. You're not going to write a book, you're not going to uh, do any programming with a touchscreen. It's just uh, not going to work. So, what's the solution? Uh, so, for the user interface device, I think that the best way to go is not to uh, touchpad, but we just can go to what works, and what works and is extremely effective is a keyboard, right? A full-size ergonomic keyboard that has great haptic feedback. It's got uh, discrete keys that you hit and you either get wrong or you get right, and you don't have to look at it. You can just—it's just, just going to be a cerebellar response, you know, with touch typing, and you can type into the keys extremely quickly and uh, people have spent a lot of time learning to touch type, learning keyboard layouts and if you do a lot of command line stuff like I do, if you if you work with tiling window managers and text editors extremely efficient way, tap completion, all these great things extremely efficient way of getting your thoughts and uh, your input into the device. So, goal is to have a full-size ergonomic keyboard, right? So that's that's one solution. The other solution is the display. The other solution to the problem is the display. So, so we got this problem that if we use an LCD, it gets big, it gets heavy, and you can't power it. So, uh, how do we deal with this? And here we're going to go in a more non-traditional route, and we're going to use video glasses. Okay, so what's the idea there? Well, instead of making the LCD bigger so that you can see it, which comes with it being heavier and requiring more power, you make it smaller. And when it's smaller, requires less power, it uses up less space, it's, it's much lighter, and you just bring the the video closer to your eyes natively by putting them on glasses. Uh, it doesn't require you to hold it. It your hands are free to type on the keyboard, and much more effective way of doing mobile computing of transferring the output of the device to to the user. So that's the basic idea behind the project wanted those two things to happen. Okay, so we're going to try to make that happen. So, how do, how do we do our, our RoboMofo? Well, before I get into that, I want to go into a couple other alternative designs that I didn't end up going with, but are viable alternatives and kind of interesting alternative way to, of doing things. 
when I started this project, I of course looked out to see if anybody else had done something like this. And somebody had, and to be honest, what they uh, did, this guy is very impressive, and is much more impressive than, than what I ended up doing. This guy is, is a real, real hacker. He uh, designed his own mobile computing device, kind of the perfection of, of what I w would have liked to have done is, is he met that goal a little bit closer to what I envisioned at first. Uh, but it turns out that his device in the end wasn't practically usable for, from day to day, but he uh, put a lot more work into it and he did a much better job and put a lot more smarts into it. So what he did was he bought these commercial video glasses, the same ones that I ended up using for my project. Same brand, same model, everything. But then, instead of using any off-the-shelf components after that, he designed his own circuit board and he took this TI chip and that has Bluetooth and wireless Wi-Fi on it and mounted it to the top of these video glasses and wired everything up and made it work. And so he, ha he has a Linux system with this uh, TIO MAP 3530 processor uh, with Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, so you could use your keyboard over Bluetooth. You can get your net connectivity over Wi-Fi. And then you have your display with the video glasses. And he calls it the gumstick over a fire computer on module device. So it's pretty cool. With an, it's got embedded Linux. Uh, he's got screenshots of Firefox running on it. And he wrote a little program to do a, a 3D room that uses their, there's uh, little accelerometers embedded into the video glasses. Uh, the vi the these video glasses are originally intended for gaming. Uh, so he's got a little wire screen 3D stereoscopic room that also uses these head tracking capabilities uh, that I should try. I haven't tried that yet. It should work on my system. But he hacked into the analysis software. There's a little chip in line and uh, there's a uh, VGA output or input into the glasses and then there's a little chip in there and he kind of figured out what that does and how the rest of the the system works. And so it was very impressive. He got it to work. He made his own, designed his own circuit board to put the extra circuits in there for the for the processor and everything. Uh, but in the end he said in practice it doesn't really work because you know, that you have to do a lot of engineering to get these type of things power efficient. And so it only works for a few minutes and you maybe get overheating of your lithium battery, he says here, and eye straining. Uh, and it might not be so safe to have this Wi-Fi antenna sitting. He puts it right on top of the glasses so you have the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth and all this stuff. And right in front of your eyes, which I don't know if it's a safety concern for the, the RF or maybe just the heat, but 
pretty cool project anyways. So that was one way of going about, thing, going about it. The other way that I considered doing was using this Pandora system plus the video glasses. So I don't know if you heard or seen this Pandora system. It just came out recently. They had run their first run at, at in the beginning of the year and they had completely sold out and I think they've gone through their second batch of uh, processes but this is a open source community designed gaming handheld gaming system and it, I think it has the actually the same processor that this other guy used for his headset custom headset design but this thing is really really neat it's extremely impressive it's got a little QWERTY keyboard all different types of gaming controllers and it can o do OpenGL 2.0, it can do Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and it can act as a USB host, and it has a little LCD screen, but you could use that as your computer, and it also has composite video out, so the specific model of glasses that I got don't have composite video in, but you could get some that were even cheaper uh, out there that I consider getting. They're around $200 and you, you could use that. You could have your full-size keyboard connected with Bluetooth and then plus you'd have a, a neat little computer, compact computer on the side so that would be using the, the Pandora. So that would be a different alternative but for the specific things I wanted to use it for which were more hacking and uh, maybe some 3D medical imaging stuff, I decided to go this other route. If you're more into gaming, maybe the, the Pandora would be a better option for you. So the route I ended up going was full-size keyboard. For the computer, I went with a mini ITX form factor motherboard, and then inside the computer you've got an Atom, dual-core Atom processor, and the NVIDIA ION GPU. So that's that's the basis of it. And the ION is the portable, low power, but decent performance, uh, discrete graphics GPU. So you can get the 3D capabilities, the stereoscopic capabilities with the NVIDIA GPU. And, you know, you can maybe play some older games on it, maybe not the newest and greatest at the fastest uh, resolutions. I haven't really tried. I don't do that much gaming. Uh, you might be able to do actually some of the, the higher level games because the resolution is not that high. The native resolu resolution of the video classes is 640 by 480. So, so that's the idea. So, uh, I have all the details of what goes into the system on a web page pictures and descriptions and prices and so I'll put that link in the show notes but I'll just kind of go through what I did is I just uh, selectively picked out components and you may be interested in, in these components and how they performed and so we'll just kind of go through that briefly and I'll kind of give you a background on how, how this, these things turned out. So go going over this web page here I give an overview of the mobility, the computing, horsepower, and the usability of the device. So in terms of mobility, it is a little bit bigger than what I would have liked, but
but of course, you know, I'm using off-the-shelf components for stuff it wasn't intended for. Uh, it's actually decent size. I got a, you know, a really big, really nice keyboard, wireless keyboard and mouse, so that takes up some space. And then the Mini ITX is a decent size. There are smaller motherboards out there. There are Pico and Nano, I think, form factor motherboards, which are smaller. Uh, but I couldn't find any of those that had the NVIDIA Ion graphics, GPU graphics uh, chip in it. So I ended up you know, going with this little more powerful uh, system. And that, and the, actually the case I got for the motherboard there is actually one of the heavier things. So I, I, I don't really know how heavy it is, like maybe 10 pounds altogether. Uh, the video glasses, they're actually quite light and small. And so those, those take, take up much space. But it fits in my backpack. So if I want to go somewhere, I can throw it in my backpack with plenty of room to spare for a laptop or books or clothes or food or whatever else I want. So that works out okay. Uh, so that's kind of on the mobility side. The other thing on the mobility is battery life. So it does have a battery, and you can go and use it out and about. Uh, use it with Wi-Fi in the coffee shop if you wanted to. So that was kind of interesting. Um, the battery life maybe could be much better, but the motherboard isn't designed to be something mobile like in a laptop. So I think that's a big knock against the battery life. But what are you going to do? It, it does still work. And I I got a power usage uh, device, a kilowatt brand uh, device to measure the power. You plug it into the, the power. And I measure the power, and it's pretty constant. It doesn't vary that much. In the lower end, if you're idling, it's around 17 to 18 watts. And on the higher end, if you're you know, compiling something. The max you're going to use is about 24 watts. I guess the newer atoms maybe have better power consumption and the NVIDIA ION graphics chip is going to use a little bit more power, but you're looking at around 20 watts for the power consumption. And then the battery, which I'll talk a little bit more about later, has a capacity of 100 watt hours. So you get about on paper you get five hours and in real life you actually get about five hour battery life which is decent which is a uh, I'm happy with that you know the the battery capacity is actually quite high and so in other cases uh, you can get much m you you would get much more out of it but you know five hours that's that's reasonable um, the computer plus horsepower again it, it's a dual core atom and 330 capable of four threads at 1.6 gigahertz and the graphics chip is the NVIDIA 9400M so-called ION graphics chip and it also can do CUDA if you're into CUDA programming the GPGPU stuff uh, my original spec for the memory was 2 gigabytes of 800 megahertz DDR2 RAM and I also put an SSD hard drive in there because it's low on power and light and small.
terms of usability, you have the video glasses, which I'll talk a little bit more about later, and uh, the keyboard is pretty pretty awesome. For any mobile computing, you can't really beat it. And it also comes with a wireless mouse, which is pretty decent. So, into the specifics of the components. I did buy the carrying case, which was very expensive, but the video glasses themselves were almost $300, so I didn't want to break them. And I knew I was going to be carrying this thing around. So, I bought it anyways, specially designed. They have little pockets in them, which is nice to hold the cabling and a flash drive or whatever, but, you know, it was almost 40 bucks for that thing, which is ridiculous. But, you know, you, you don't want it to break, so I got that. Uh, the RAM, the stuff that I originally bought was Corsair RAM, it's very nice RAM. Uh, the 800 megahertz DDR2. I have read different things about how much power RAM takes up, so uh, at first I thought, well, you know, two gigabytes, that's going to be plenty for anything, and it turns out it was not quite enough when working with Windows, which I'll talk a little about later. So actually, I ended up putting in uh, two, it only has slot for two memory chips, and I ended up putting some memory that I had that was old from a computer that its motherboard went down. So I got four gigabytes of uh, DDR2 in there now, and that works fine. Uh, something to keep in mind is that the graphics chip uses RAM and doesn't have its own dedicated memory. So uh, I have it set on 256 megabytes, but that's something to keep in mind. The enclosure I got was uh, very nice. It's a metal, black, it looks nice, it's easy to take apart, it's got, uh, it's fanless, it's got a nice front end that comes apart, it's got a power button on it, and then you can store USB, it's got two USB ports in there that are enclosed and, and hidden, and so you could put a Bluetooth uh, USB in there, or a USB hard USB drive in it, so that works very nice. It was the only one that, looking around with this motherboard, that was tall enough, because it has the dual core atom, it has a tall uh, heatsink and fan, so you have to be careful with that. Uh, it has great ventilation, it's very robust, it's pricey, 50 bucks, which is a lot. Um, it's very nice. Uh, the, the downside is it's, it's somewhat heavy, which for our purposes isn't that great, but that's what I went, went with. It's a M350 Mini ITX fanless enclosure. The keyboard I went with was the Microsoft Wireless Comfort Desktop 5000 keyboard and mouse, and I have used the Microsoft Ergonomic Keyboard in the past, Natural Elite Pro and Natural Microsoft Natural Keyboards, and I, I really like them. Uh, just the you know the, the slanted keyboards, and they 
just have a fantastic feel to them. Uh, the natural Elite, uh, the newer one, the, the black one, I've had three or four of those, and those are, they're very nice, and they're uh, much less expensive than some of these ergonomic keyboards out there that you'll see, uh, but they don't seem to be that robust. I use them a lot. I do a lot of programming with them, but they, uh, they some keys will just give out after some point. So I think I put enough money into those. Um, so I went with this wireless version of the Microsoft Ergonomic, which is a little bit smaller. It has media. It's I think it's intended for more like a like a media center or something with your TV. Windows Media Center or something, but it's because it's got these Media Center keyboards on the top, and it, w it would work nice for that. Um, but it's it's very nice. It's got the ergonomic slant to it. It's got a full number pad, full arrow keys. Uh, the one thing that it lacks is uh, full size uh, function keys, F1 to F12, and if you're a Vim user, uh, the escape key is kind of s small and out of, out of place. So I use Vim a lot, and I ended up retraining myself using control left bracket instead of escape, which is actually nicer in the long run for all purposes, but uh, that's just something to be aware of. And so it's wireless. It comes with a nice wireless mouse that tracks some kind of blue laser that does pretty well. Um, it's about 70 bucks. It's thin, it's low profile, it's pretty light for what it is. And the next thing is a hard drive. Uh, this is when solid state hard drives were coming out. I got this one for $100 at the time. They're dropping in prices now, but uh, pretty cool. It's, it's only 30 gigabytes, the SATA 2. A two and a half inch, uh, very low power consumption, <laughs> shock resistant, which is nice, and the performance is fantastic. You know, it's probably one of the best performing, relatively performing parts on in the system. A little bit higher than everything else, so maybe you don't need something that high. Uh, it's a heavy duty case, but. In this case, we don't necessarily want that because it's a little more heavier than I think it, it needs to be. So, I liked it though. I like it. It's uh, OCG Agility. Uh, yeah, it's nice. If, you want, if you're looking for something on the desktop side, that's recommended. I've had good experiences with it. Another thing for storage is uh, this SanDisk Cruiser Micro, just a USB flash drive. And I got that for cheaper storage, uh, 16 gigabyte one, and it goes in the front, the front bay of this enclosure, you know, concealed, semi-permanent, and sitting inside there, uh, which is pretty nice. So I use that. Uh, you can definitely tell the difference in terms of performance between the solid-state drive and the USB drive, but uh, it's much cheaper. And for the batteries, this is pr something pretty interesting. And this is something I get use out of for charging. You know, when you're on the road, you want to charge a music player, or you want to charge your phone, or 
you want to use it on a, a netbook or or a, yeah, a laptop. This is you can use it for all these things. Uh, they're relatively expensive, but uh, it's kind of a high quality thing that can boost the power on all the all your devices. It comes with a cable with adapters, all a bunch of adap adapters on the end for different laptops, and it also has a USB out on it. And this is it's the Techion brand MP3450 My Power. Ooh, neat. Uh, rechargeable battery. And what you can do is you can get one of them, or and then you can get an extender, which just sits on the bottom and it doesn't have the the interface, uh, but it just ex adds to the number of watters on, watt hours on it. So one of them is 50 watt hours, and you put the ex the extended battery on it, and it's another 50 watt hours. So the base unit is uh, $110, and the extended unit is $80. Uh, so pretty expensive, but pretty neat. You can use it for a lot of things. Uh, it weighs about two pounds altogether. You can configure the voltage, so it up outputs many different voltages. Uh, they suggest, and I found that it works, to lowball the voltage a little bit, put a little bit lower than what the laptop or the the mini ITX says the voltage input needs to be. So, and then it will last a little bit longer. Longer, it won't charge your laptop. It'll just power it. And the video glasses, um, the video glasses. Okay, these are the Vuzix Eyewear VR920 video glasses. Now I looked for these, and I they've discontinued making them. I think, and the replacements, the effective replacements they haven't started putting out yet from this music company. They're kind of the big company. There's not a, not a lot of companies that make these things. Uh, but it does have 640 by 480 resolution. They're dual LCDs. And uh, it's the manufacturer of the actual LCD is uh, a military company. And if you look at, uh, like on this AliExpress, this trading website, most everybody uses this high quality set of dual displays. They don't actually manufacture the LCD displays. They buy them and they just make the rest of the unit, which is intended for gaming. That That's kind of the standard. They're coming out with a design that looks a little bit more natural, not so goofy looking, not so Robocop-ish. And it kind of looks like sunglasses. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. It's probably going to be a lot more expensive when they come out originally. Uh, when I got these, they were on sale uh, for less than $300. I put $300 here. I don't remember the exact price, but it was, it was less than $300 uh, than what they are supposed to be. And, you know, they're pretty cool. They're not everything that you want them to be, of course, but they do work pretty well. Uh, you can use it for three or four hours. I, I don't think you'd want to do it all day with these things. But the the color is pretty good. Um, the one knock I have against them is that you cannot adjust the distance between the the glasses to you know different head sizes. They have a really nice 
nose rests on them that are adjustable, and you can do a lot with that to position them properly. But my head's a little bit bigger than maybe what the standard head is, and you get shadows from the sides of the glasses. And when I first got these, I returned them because I thought there was some kind of defect in the lens, uh, but I think it was just they're sized not exactly perfect, and they're so close to your face like that, it, it's really important. Uh, so that's kind of a design flaw that hopefully they'll fix in the next generation. I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but the native is 64x480, downscales from 1024 by 768 They have a chip in there that will do that for you. Uh, it does do that pretty well, uh, 800 by 600 If you're trying to read some natural 12-point fonts at 1024 by 768 uh, you're kind of straining uh, to do that, but for other things, uh, it does the anti-aliasing uh, pr pretty well and downscales pretty well. I usually just run it at 800 by 600 or 640 by 480 and so it's got a analog VGA input, it uses a little power, 3.2 ounces, 60 hertz refresh rate, 24-bit color. They say it's an equivalent 62-inch screen viewed at 9 feet. Well, I don't know, it's it's relatively big, it's not huge in front of you. It's not all encompassing, but it's okay. It's built in earbuds and a microphone, and uh, it was less than $300 at the time. I think they discontinued it, so you might have a hard time finding it, but it's a pretty cool little unit. It, after a while, it does get a little heavy on on the eyes, and it gets a little hot, but it's 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 okay. Um, it's powered by USB, and the audio goes through USB too. Uh, the audio earplugs, earbuds—they're detachable if you don't want to use them, too. So it's pretty cool. Uh, I also bought the Vuzix Light Shield that you can get for it, which should come with it, you know, come on, be reasonable, but I bought it extra, it's a little rubber piece that blocks out more of the light, which is important to keep you not distracted and, and to improve the quality of the, the light. It's nice to just use it at night, too, when it's, it's dark out and you can turn the lights down in the room, and you don't have to deal with the ambi ambient light that's about 20, less than 20 bucks. The the motherboard, okay. The motherboard I told got this Zotac Ion Mini iTech TX motherboard, and it's nice for a Mini iTech motherboard. It's it's pretty nice. It has the Intel Atom N330 dual core CPU. Uh, I don't know if they have better stuff now, but uh, the Nvidia Ion, which I think is still a pretty popular thing, uh, CUDA and OpenCL capable. It has some nice outputs if you want to use it for a media extra uh, system too. It's got DVI out, VGA out, and HDMI out with audio. It can do SATA 2 and eSATA. It has an integrated uh, Wi-Fi 802.11bgn, which is a, a big seller for me for what I wanted to use it for, of course. So it got has the I. Wi-Fi, which plugs into a PCI, I don't know what those are, P mini PCI, I 
Express slot, something like that. Uh, but then it has a, the port made for it on the back and a little antenna that comes with it, which is nice that I didn't have to put that in myself. It works pretty well. Um, it has six USB ports, which is always good. Gigabit LAN, which is always good. And the other nice thing about it, it has an onboard DC-DC power supply. So you can use uh, the power supply isn't inside the case like some systems. It has an uh, external uh, transformer, kind of like your laptop or so. So you can use that and plug it in to the wall and just use it. Works great. Or you can remove it and plug in the battery that we had before. So pretty cool. Um, it comes with this 90 watt. It's a 90 watt external power supply, but that's more than the system takes, obviously. Uh, it has a nice large heat sink, but unlike some of the other Atom ones with the dual core Atom, and it still needs the fan. I looked a lot into trying to use it without the fan, but according to the reviews, it's just going to get too hot. And that's not going to work. So the fan is a little noisy, not too bad, uh, because it's kind of small, but uh, you still need it. And so it was pretty expensive, like 180 bucks, 185 bucks. Uh, but I hope to have it for a while. It's pretty nice. There's a good review, including CPU and power usage profiles, on this mini-itx.com website. So that's pretty cool. So that's all the hardware. What did I put on it? For operating systems, I used Linux on there, and then Windows 7. I had to do the Windows 7 so I could try out the games, of course with the uh, stereoscopic grains. The only drivers support were on Windows 7 and for a few games. So the Arch, it works great. It's fantastic. It's uh, super fast. It boots super fast. Uh, I have the kernel.config for 2.6.32. It's linked on the web page I'll have in the show notes if you're interested in that. And I also found this guy from Germany, it must be, that wrote his own stereoscopic driver and head tracking driver for this V6 920, which is pretty cool. And I tried it out, it didn't work for me. I don't know if it was, you know, he said he was using one of these Quattro, one of these professional NVIDIA gra graphics cards that are intended for CAD and this type of thing and have good stereoscopic support built into them. I don't know if it was because of the ION processor or when I tried this I used, this is just recently, and I used the new version of the NVIDIA drivers which are the, the I think the 200 series. Maybe they dropped the stereoscopic support. I don't, I'm not sure what was going on, maybe. But it didn't work for me. Neither did this head tracking thing. So may, I, maybe I just had misconfigured it, I'm not sure. Uh, and he also has a patch for mPlayer to do stereoscopic video, and that looks pretty cool. I haven't tried that yet. Um, I put, I split that 30 gig SSD into three 10 gigs partitions. Uh, 10 gig for the root Linux, a 10 gig home, and then 10 or 11 gig for the Windows. And uh, that's plenty for the Linux. It turns out it was a problem for the Windows. I Luckily I still I put the Windows on first and I just barely had enough room 
it used up all the space just for the fresh install, the 10 gigabytes. <laughs> so I had to look up all these different things to cut it down a bit so I could still install stuff. And it was just a, a big pain in the butt. And getting win Windows on in the first place was a big pain in the butt because I didn't have another Windows system. And this, the install media is only the ISO, right? So I need to do this from USB. There's no optical drive on this thing. So what do you do? Uh, they have a USB. They didn't come out originally with a USB installer from it. You had to look up in forums to make it work. Well, they, they didn't have all the programs that were needed. And what they did have was 32-bit. So I couldn't get it working uh, on with Wine or with VirtualBox, of course, because VirtualBox doesn't have a very good USB support. So what do you so what do you do? I had to eventually find a Windows system and and get that working. That was a pain in the butt. Trimming it, trying to trim it down, uh, turning off System Restore, all these other tricks I have listed. That was a pain in the butt. And then memory usage, you know, the Linux is just a couple of gigs for the hard drive uses, and then when you fire it up, it's only like a hundred megabytes when you start off uh, into a full graphical user interface. You have plenty use of that those two gigs of RAM, but Windows starts up just without even a file browser open you're looking at over a gig of RAM usage with this Windows 7, which is terrible, right? And just running one application, one of these really simple games, um, it would run out of memory sometimes. So, I looked through all the tricks to whittle down the RAM, but I ended up putting the breaking down and putting those four gigs in there, and now I haven't had many problems, but pretty bad, pretty bad. Uh, like I said, I don't do much gaming because I don't have a lot of time for it, but the gaming I have done is pretty cool. Uh, pretty fun to, to do the stereoscopic stuff. Uh, the game that I played was Portal, the original Portal, which is really, really fun. and uh, That's just a really great game. Uh, if you haven't played it, play it to the end. The ending is fantastic. Uh, but I did that with... Uh, so I, the other thing I tried here was to do Valve Steam clients. So I bought the games through Valve Steam, which is where uh, you download the games and uh, you have a, an account, and then you can re-download them, download them anywhere. Uh, you pay for them online. You don't get any physical media. And uh, Windows starting up is actually pretty slow uh, compared to Linux, and that Steam client is annoyingly slow too on the system with the with the atom. But it it uh what I tried to do was have it so that I could run Steam on Linux too and on Windows. So you set it up so that the games so I tried to do the game the games together. So how I tried to do that was for that USB drive, the sixteen gigabyte USB drive, I put the partition a partitions it as EXT2. So that, and then you can download a driver for Windows, and a third-party driver, that so Windows can read the XT2.
seems like a good idea. It does work for Windows. The ironic thing is that the Steam didn't work under Linux r running off the EXT2. I'm not sure why, but uh, I didn't try to get that to support, get that working. So that was running through Wine. You know, supposedly sometime this year this was to come out with a Linux native Linux client for Steam, which would be pretty cool. And I'll try it again. And that looks pretty exciting. So that was pretty fun there. Uh, I think that's it. So thanks for listening. I'm tired of talking. I gotta turn the air conditioning back on. It's really hot. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Hack the Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by Caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.